Good morning. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, it's been a pretty awesome weekend for me. Uh, last night, um, I think many of you know, Angie works for a mission, so last night I had a chance to go out and help her at the barn a little bit, and uh, just the sunset was amazing, and I was just us out there with the horses, and uh, really cool time to uh, spend some quiet time with God. Um, and then Friday night, I had a really cool opportunity, uh, Brent Clausing uh, and the FCA group put on a uh, dodgeball tournament, which was just awesome. It was the administrators and then Brent and uh, Nathan Carmack, who uh, are leading FCA, um, was about 100 some kids there, would you say? 85, okay, it was just, just a large group of people. Um, and we, it was just like a dodgeball night and uh, spike ball, but then there was just cool time for conversation about God. And um, there was definitely people there who uh, were really into their faith. And I think there was people there who maybe had never stepped foot in a church and were there to try to throw balls at the administrators. So that worked. Uh, again, Molly, sorry for hitting you in the face, but uh, we won that game. I'm just saying it happened and uh, we were not out there to lose. So. Um, but it was, it was just, it was a really cool event. Um, it was just really encouraging to see a group of really diverse kids come together and, uh, hear about God that night. So that was just a, a cool opportunity. And then today I get the pleasure to talk to you a little bit about temptation. Um, we're going to talk uh, about Matthew four in a moment. I'm going to read. Um, but I just want to start off with prayer. God, uh, I just pray today that the words that come out of my mouth are yours. Um, the message that is laid on people's hearts today is the message you want them to hear. And uh, that I just pray, Lord, that it's uh, you stir such a passion in uh, those sitting here today uh, that they take the story and, and go out with it and share it with others this week. Uh, to further spread your good news, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to go ahead and start by reading Matthew 4, 1 through 11, and then we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands he will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord... God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and, only, and him only shall you serve. The devil left him and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. So uh, about a month ago, we, I was up here and we were talking about temptation. Um, 
And I think it's really important to note that um, I, don't, I don't know how super clear I was that day, but I want to make sure that I'm clear today. Temptation itself is not sin. Temptation can lead you to sin. Uh, but temptation itself is not necessarily sin. Um, so it's, it's important to keep that in mind. We all get tempted. But just because we're tempted doesn't mean we're automatically going to fall short. Um, and so we'll talk through kind of what Jesus went through. Um, and we're going to then talk about how that applies to our life uh, and how we can apply that to as we leave throughout this week. Um, so let's just talk about some realities specifically from that text. So there is a spiritual world. Okay, the devil is real, the devil is active, there is a spiritual world out there. And um, as part of that spiritual world, there is a warfare going on for your soul. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying you see ghosts and, and things like that. What I'm saying is um, there are angels fighting for you. The devil is trying to get your soul. And there are angels fighting for you going on all around. And we don't see that. Um, but I think it's important to be aware of that because when we let our guard down, when we, when we forget the importance of it is often when, when we fall short. Um, I think of a, years ago, our house church um, brought a, a Christian rapper named Tadashi to uh, target Dayton. And it was, gosh, I don't even know how long ago that was, but it was a really cool opportunity. One, we got a chance to talk with him um, we got a chance to kind of think we worked like security and different things there that night. Um, but we had a chance to see um, people just interact with Tadashi, and he did his concert, and it was just a really cool event. Um, I had never heard of Tadashi before our house church had decided to go down this path. And so we got to a point where um, I started listening to some of the music, and I was just trying to, you know, get an idea of, I knew he was a Christian rapper, that was it. And he has a song called Make War. And I'm like, hmm, this is interesting, Christian to saying go make war. But it's all about the fact that we are not bystanders. There is a war going on, but he is telling you to stand up, and he's telling you to actively participate in this um, because it's about you. And he's saying, don't just sit there and let the angels fight for you. He is telling you to be in the word. He's telling you to, to do things, as we're going to discuss today, um, to actively participate in this. Because um, it's an important thing. It's not something that is, is going on somewhere else. Right now, in the seats, it's, it's, it's happening. There's, there's people being tempted. Um, and, and I think it's... It's important for you to, to actively involve, be involved in that yourself. Um, so essentially, this struggle is between two conflicting kingdoms, Christ's kingdom and obviously Satan and, and his demons and the enemy. Um, so we talked about it already. The enemy should not be taken lightly. How often do we try something, whether it's a diet or we try to change our behavior or do something different? And as soon as we say, I got this, we're good, the next week it's blown. Because then we start putting it on ourselves again. Um, so, so part of being an active participant is, is seeking God's help. We just sang about, in our weakness, what God can do. And so we have to continuously reflect 
um, about our weaknesses and where we need to turn things over to God and, and how we need to continuously do that so we don't keep falling short. Um, so the stakes are very high. We're not just talking about something simple. We're talking about the fact that potentially your eternal salvation could be involved in this. And so the stakes are very high here. Um, it should be a personal fight that you are committing yourself to. Um, we don't want to be complacent. We want to dive into this. And, and we really want to understand that we are a part of fighting along with God and with Jesus. And I've got actually uh, something to visually show you later that just shows how well um, God protects us. Um, so let's, let's kind of go back to the beginning. It talks about that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness um, and to be tempted by the devil. We often ask, why does God tempt us? I've heard that before from people. God's not the one that actually tempts us. Um, and, and this story is really cool because I think there's a lot of parallels with, with this story and other parts of the Bible. For example, um, just think of Adam. So Adam was in the forest and, and Jesus was in the forest here. And both were tempted to eat something. Um, both were kind of, basically, Adam was, was questioned, um, you know, were you really told not to do that? And so, and we talked about a month ago, just the different ways the enemy will, will use to try to deceive you. And usually it's not, hey, go do this. It's very sly. It's very backhanded. And, and we'll get into some of those again in a little bit, just as reminders. Um, but if you think about, uh, let's think about, uh, if you go through Exodus, you hear about God referring to Israel as his son. You know, and so Israel was led through. Israel was tested for 40 years. Well, Jesus was tested here for 40 days. And then we, we think about the fact that, you know, um, if you look actually throughout um, what Jesus is responding to the enemy, that's written in Deuteronomy. Okay, so if you think about it, um, and what happens to Israel, they're, they, they, they're eventually freed when they go through the water, right? So that's essentially their baptism. Well, right before what we're talking about in Matthew 4, in, in Matthew 3, Jesus gets baptized. And so there's just a lot of parallels that we can make to other stories in the Bible, and I just think it's... Um, it's, it's a way for the enemy to continue to try to separate us from God and us from Jesus. Um, so again, we are tempted by Satan. Satan is a subordinate. Okay, Satan is a subordinate for evil. Um, we are tested, however, by God. Those are two different things. Satan will tempt us to do evil and to break us from our bond with God. But God will allow us to go through testing for his sovereign good. There's opportunities for growth. There's opportunities to glorify him through that. So those are two very, very different things there. Um, as you read through this, another question that, that I think I hear personally a lot is, um, could Jesus have sinned? And I think it's, it's the way I look at it is it's, um, and I heard another pastor share it this way, yes and no. 
Now, Jesus is fully man and was tempted, okay? But Scripture also tells us that Jesus is fully God and cannot be tempted. So what does that mean? And and I guess to me the best way I look at this is um, think of someone you truly, truly care for. And then if someone were to say to you, could you murder that person? Sorry to be graphic with that. This is the only way I could really think of to explain that. Um, physically, yes, you could go do that. But morally, we would not do something like that. Jesus physically could have sinned. But morally, he was so perfect that he was not able to sin because he was God. So as we go through, um, it's also important to think through how does, how, how are we tempted here? So the first temptation essentially is that self-gratification. So we, we are tempted, and there's really, there's no new temptations. The temptations we are experiencing now are the same temptations that Jesus experienced in the wilderness. It's just in a different way. For example, um, the first one is self-gratification. So we are tempted to fill our wants separate from God's will. And what Jesus did in that moment is Jesus trusted that God will provide everything he needs. That didn't mean he didn't want to eat there. That just simply meant he knew God would provide and take care of him. And so that's where we... um, in our earthly bodies get in trouble is we want to satisfy our wants and desires now and we end up putting at risk our long-term, um, our long-term goals because we're in the moment, we're in the now. And there are ways that we can kind of prepare ourselves to, to get through that. And we'll, we'll come to that for a minute. Um, the second temptation is self-protection. So that is where we start tempting God's presence, and we start manipulating what his promises are to us. And so, for example, Jesus rested in the shelter of the security of his father. Okay, we, we often get into situations where we start questioning our safety and that of our families, and, and we may be tempted to do something because we're not trusting in the security that God will provide us. And that third temptation is uh, self-exaltation. So we are tempted to assert ourselves into the world while we rob God of his worship. Um, So again, that goes back to an exchange for something we would like to be exalted for now. um, We trade away the opportunity to, for that long-term eternity with, with Christ. So I just, um, those, are, those are the temptations that have been around forever. And it just takes different forms now, okay? Self-gratification, that could be, that could be manifest in so many different ways. Food, pornography, you name it, the list goes on and on, okay? So we are trying to satisfy ourselves or then we start twisting what, what God expects of us and what God has promised us to kind of meet our needs instead of us just trusting in his will and trusting in, in his plan for us. 
And that's where, that's where the devil is really good. That's where the enemy just kind of rests in and just waits. And the enemy is so patient and just sits there and waits for us to just either start putting it back on ourselves and relying on ourselves instead of relying on God or the, or the enemy just kind of sits back and waits a little bit and just, just waits for that trial, just waits for that, that moment where, you know, you're, you're down on your patience and, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's unreal how sly and sneaky the enemy truly is. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it makes us forget how powerful God is and how no matter what the enemy does, it can't outthink God. It can't overpower God. It can't take away what Jesus did for us. But we allow those thoughts to occur and happen um, in our own minds and hearts. And so, again, the desires that we have, um, they, they, the enemy uses them. Like, for example, sex is not necessarily a bad desire. God gave us the desire to, to have sex with our spouse. But then the enemy uses that in a different way. Okay? And the enemy turns that and changes that. The, the desire to eat is something that God gave us. That's a good thing to nourish our body. But then um, you could see how the, how the enemy changes that and, and twists that and turns that around and makes that into something that it's not. And all of these things are to separate us from our connection with God. We talked last month that Satan lies. He speaks to his own nature. Um, he likes to blind the mind of the unbelievers. He masquerades in costumes. I think we used the example that day of um, a deer hunter in the woods and how they kind of dress and get themselves looking like their surroundings so that the, the deer is not expecting what's about to happen. Um, and that's exactly what the enemy does. The enemy waits and is patient and waits for us in those unexpected times and can actually make things look very, very positive in our life. But it's taking, it, taking us down a path that, that is a way. Um, and again, I come back to the fact that we all experience temptation. Temptation is not sin, though. But when we lose that connection and, and we stop relying on God, that's when temptation becomes sin and we start doing inappropriate things. And there is no person in this room, no person in this room that hasn't sinned. Um, and, and, it's, and we, from an earthly perspective, like to judge other people's sins. And we try to justify how we're feeling ourselves. Well, at least I'm not doing that. But instead, what we need to be doing is going, they're sinners, we need to love on them. I'm a sinner. I need help. I need, and, and use our weaknesses to grow closer to each other and grow closer to God. Because we, you know, what can we do to fight this battle? Well, let's look back at what Jesus did. He spent time in the wilderness, in God's creation. Okay, we could do that. We, it doesn't have to necessarily be out in the woods, but we can spend time with God. We should be spending time with God. When we come to a trial or a temptation, we're just not going to blow through it and things are going to be great if we're not preparing ourselves for that. 
We don't all of a sudden once tempt to go, oh, I'm going to rely on God today. I'm going to turn this one over. That comes with practice. That comes with, with repeated surrender to God. And sometimes we have to surrender the same thing over and over and over to them. Because then all of a sudden we pull it back and think we got it on our own. Um, we obviously have to pray. That's when we're, it's time to speak to God. Okay, that's the opportunity um, as we're spending time with him. That's just that opportunity for, for God to, to speak back to us. And, and we want to listen. God will talk to us in a lot of different ways. God may talk to us through, through the music that we have here. God may talk to us through, um, he may lay something on Brian's heart and Brian may reach out to me about it. And that's God speaking through Brian to me. We have to be willing to recognize that. Okay, it may be a song that comes on the radio. It may be a scripture that uh, is the daily verse. What I, I mean, God talks to us in so many different ways, but we have to stop and listen for it. The other thing that um, we talk about, Jesus went there to fast and pray. Um, we, it's been a while ago now, but we did talk about fasting um, probably a few months back here. And, and it is important for us to fast um, periodically. And it's not about posting on, you know, your Instagram, I'm fasting today, this is the meal I'm not eating. <laughs> fasting could come in a lot of different ways. It's, it's your personal connection with God. It's training you and your body to rely on what he will provide you. Okay, um, maybe it is maybe it is a meal, maybe it's water, maybe it's screen time. You name it. There are lots of different ways that you could fast. And I've thought about you know here we are the uh, Israelites forty years, and then Jesus was in the wilderness for forty uh, for forty days. You know, does that mean that maybe I should fast on something for forty hours or Maybe I go 40 days without something. That's, those are conversations with you and God. And I truly say conversations. Like ask him, what do you want me to do, Lord? He will reveal that to you. But again, those are personal. That's you becoming actively involved in this spiritual war that's going on. The other thing that we talk about um, is, is we hear it a lot, but I don't know how much we actually go back and read it. And that is putting on the armor of God. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of his dark world, that against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may, may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then, and with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield, of faith, which you can extinguish the flames of arrows from the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
and pray the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. It's easy when we are struggling to focus on us. Okay? Um, I, I personally think we need to build, you need to build in that quiet time with God. You need to build in time in the Word. You need to have people that are going to help hold you accountable. Okay? We all will fall short because we're human. But we have to continue. And in, in, when I say people to hold you accountable, it's not just people to pat you on the back and go, it's okay, buddy, God loves you. It's those people that are then going to turn around and say, now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to check on you in three days to make sure you haven't done this again. And, I'm, and not to judge you, but to, to keep you accountable. To, to, to lift one another up so they keep pointing you to God instead of allowing you to try to do it on your own. I think um, the more we can pray, the more we can be in the Word, the more that we are putting on the armor of God, the more prepared we're going to be when we come to those trials and those temptations, and the less likely we are to sin. But then when we do sin, because we will, we need to turn around and we need to confess that to somebody. We need to confess that to God and repent um, and get that out there, because it's so easy once you do something one time, to go back and do it again. and go Because that's when that shame sets in. And that's when we start getting quiet. And that's when we start not sharing. And all of a sudden, it's, it's, you're, you're right back into that cycle you were previously. So it's really, really important um, to, to make this an ongoing process. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process. Um, and that helps prepare you for the next thing. But also your actions may be an encouragement to somebody else as well. Because you don't know how God's going to use your, your temptations and, and your trials um, and your battle with sin to impact somebody else's life. Because it's not just about us. And, and so we are called to share the gospel with people to the ends of the earth. Okay, And so God can, can use your story to absolutely impact others. Um, and, I th- and actually is telling us he's going to do that. But again, you have to be an active participant uh, in that. So I've got a few Tupperware bowls here. And I think it's easy when we think about um, temptation and sin to be very overwhelmed. We think about how difficult it is and what we need to do and how are we going to fight this. Because again, I think we often automatically go to we're fighting this on our own and we're not. There are angels right now interceding on your behalf. Jesus was sent as your advocate if you're a believer and he is in your heart. And he is fighting for you right now, and you don't even realize it. Um, let me get, there's a quote that I wrote down from uh, a book on temptation by Dr. Russell Moore. It says, You are on the verge of wrecking your life, especially if you don't even know it. There are things going on we're not even aware of that are happening 
And what, by praying and by, by trusting in God's plan and reminding yourself that you trust in God's plan, you are putting yourself in a situation where you're becoming more aware of what's going on around you. You're becoming more in tune with the, the warfare. You're, you're actively participating in what's going on to save your own soul. Okay, so Scripture tells us uh, in Galatians 20, I am crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So this is my little Tupperware bowl of me. Okay, so I hope you can, easy to see, I got a little stick figure on it, okay? And on this Tupperware, I've got Jesus written on it. So Jesus is living inside of us that are believers, Okay, but then Scripture, Galatians 3.27 also tells us, For all who were baptized into Christ have closed, your, closed yourself with Christ. So not only is Christ inside us, but we have now clothed ourselves in Christ. But in Colossians 3 it says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So now, now think of the temptation and think of those trials in this matter. You have an enemy who we know, according to the word, is subordinate to God. Who's trying to get to you. Well, he's got to get through God first. He doesn't have a real good track record with that. Let's say, just in case, maybe he does. He doesn't get through God. But he does. Then he's got to deal with Jesus. Well, the last time the enemy dealt with Jesus, he thought he defeated Jesus. And then three days later, he rose again. And so if, if we start relying on ourselves and not resting in Jesus and not resting in God, then they get, the enemy gets to us. But as believers, we have Christ inside of us still fighting for us. There's a reason the word refers to Christ in us as the advocate and the helper. Okay? You should feel very, very protected when you look at it this way. You have Christ and you have God that is surrounding you and inside of you. And there is no way that the enemy can overcome this. But we have to do our part and actively participate and remind ourselves who we are and who Christ is in us and how Christ can help us. And, and, and that fact that we are one of God's children. And so there's two reasons I wanted to do this today. One is I think sometimes it's easy to, to gloss over the words and forget kind of what's being said. But sometimes a visual is something you can remember. And so when you're being tested and you know that the enemy is tempting you, go back to thinking about this and how protected you are. The other reason I did it is I think it's going to be really cool later in the week when I go to the refrigerator at work and people are going to be like, oh, Jesus is having green peppers and hummus today. <laughs> so I'm just, it's going to be a good conversation starter later in the week, I'm sure. So I don't, 
last week, I don't even know when we decided I was going to teach this today. But we, it was a couple months ago, and we're going to teach this today. And then last week, we remembered today's Orphan Sunday. I don't think that's a coincidence. We are children of God. And he is protecting us and loving on us and caring for us. And the enemy cannot overcome him. So I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's accidental that it worked out that way. That on Orphan Sunday we're talking about how God can protect us. So for those of you who may not know, so every year Orphan Sunday... Um, throughout the Bible, we are called to love on and care on orphans of this world. And I have never been in a place that is <laughs> this diverse and this uh, packed with people who have done what God has asked them to do. Um, and so if you are, so what I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to ask you if you are adopted if you are a sibling or a family member of someone who's adopted, I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you have been in the foster care system or have been a foster parent, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Or in one way or another, I, I just we're going to pray for, for those who have been through that. Um, and then I've kind of got some things laid out as like a prayer challenge for the rest of this week. Um, to allow that Orphan Sunday to kind of kick off um, some, some prayer in your life. So if you have been in foster care or you have been adopted, if you don't mind standing up, or if you're a foster family, you're a foster family, stand up. Okay. And there are so many people in, in our greenhouse body. If I mean... It's amazing. Okay, you guys can go ahead and sit down now. But it is amazing. Like, there are so many families that are connected to the greenhouse that are really plugged into. Um, and, and I know we've done things, even like we've done fundraisers in the past and house churches to help people adopt. And, you know, we are, we are working with the Keys who are in Mazalon who have adopted. And there's so many connections um, to the greenhouse and, and, and orphans. Um, that we're just going to take a minute, and today we're going to pray for those who uh, um, have been an orphan. And, and then we got to keep in mind, too, that God has adopted us into, into his life. And so this is not just about the people that stood up. This is about those here um, that, have a, that have been adopted into God's family. And um, so I'm going to take a moment and pray. Father God, you have a great plan for all of us. And there are some people who have been through some interesting trials in their life, um, but you have turned it into good. Uh, whether it's through foster care or adoption or having a sibling or um, a grandchild who's been adopted, um, whatever it may be, whatever your connection is, Lord, um, whether you gave money to um, a nonprofit who is taking care of those who do not have earthly parents. 
Um, you are being obedient, Lord, to, to all of that. Um, and I just take this moment, Lord, to, to remind everyone here that you have accepted us in as your children. And uh, we can call you Father. And you are so much better than any earthly father could be, Lord. You are a heavenly father who loves and cares for us, and uh, your plan is perfect. And I just pray for you. Um, I pray for those here in the greenhouse uh, who have been impacted by that. Uh, and I thank you, Lord, for bringing us together today to have the opportunity to focus in on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I thought um, Scripture tells us that we should be taking his word to uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I thought it's just kind of a, an interesting little prayer challenge that today you simply pray for not only those that are truly orphans or ones that have been in the foster care system and those families, um, but pray for those who don't know God and don't realize that they are a child of God. And, and I just ask that you pray for those in the greenhouse today uh, tomorrow, you pray for those in the Miamisburg area. Then Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday will be Samaria. So Tuesday would be Dayton. And I'll go ahead and post this on the, uh, the Voxer if you want to look at that. Uh, pray for those um, in Dayton on Tuesday, just Ohio on Wednesday, and then the U.S. Thursday. And then Friday... Um, Pray to, uh, for those uh, that don't know Jesus or that are orphans uh, to the end of the earth, so around the world. Saturday is actually um, a day of fasting, um, and if you choose to partake in that, uh, pray and fast and seek how God wants you to impact others, whether it's through additional fasting, whether it's through uh, volunteer work, whether it's you going out and contemplating adopting yourselves. Um, take some time to, to just pray and, and fast on Saturday on how, as we enter this the holiday season, we could be impacting others' lives. And not just in a financial way or just in, you know, giving gift way, but, but giving them the good news of Christ and explaining to them how they can be a child of God as well. Um, I'm going to end with two pieces of scripture, uh, John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. In Romans uh, 8, 15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father.